From Washington, D.C., this is On the Ground. With their popular candidate and policies crushed by the Democratic National Committee during the last two presidential primary seasons, progressives are breaking away from the Democrats and forming the Movement for a People's Party. Neither of the major parties in the United States represent the people. Both represent the interests of the wealthy. I've been voting for this two-party system forever. For what? Why do we have them? Right now what we have is essentially a two-party duopoly that gives us one more choice than a dictatorship. We can't have universal health care. Big Pharma won't allow it. And this week with more cases of police terror here in D.C. and around the country, activists renew protests in a changed environment of racist backlash and emboldened white supremacists. It is our duty to fight for our freedom. It is our duty to fight for our freedom. It is our duty to win. It is our duty to win. We must love each other and support each other. We must love each other and support each other. We have nothing to lose but our chains. We have nothing to lose but our chains. Welcome to On the Ground, onthegroundshow.org, Voices of Resistance from the nation's capital. I'm Esther Averam. Now, this week, those who believe in freedom continue to resist, not rest, and demand accountability. Anti-racist activists marched in D.C. and around the country to protest police murders of more black people. In southeast D.C., Dion Kay, an 18-year-old, was shot and killed Wednesday, September 2nd, by police officer Alexander Alvarez after police said Kay threw away a gun they recovered at the scene. Protesters rallied outside the 7th District Precinct in Southeast on Wednesday and then just after 6 a.m. on Thursday marched to the home of Mayor Miro Bowser in Colonial Village in Northwest D.C. chanting, No Justice, No Sleep. They are going to call the uh, a man... They are going to spin a narrative of all of the reasons why the police had the right to snatch his life away. They have no right to do that. They have no right to do that. Black lives More from the Sunrise Rally held at Sunrise later in the show. But now I'm going to be joined by our geopolitical analyst, the prolific author and activist, Professor Gerald Horn, to talk about this ongoing fight against police violence on the home front and how it connects to what is happening internationally. So, Gerald, this week, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo announced that the U.S. would be placing sanctions on prosecutors on the International Criminal Court who are investigating U.S. war crimes in Afghanistan. And, of course, these kinds of sanctions on prosecutors trying to enforce international law are unprecedented and more evidence, it seems to me, of the U.S. like rogue status. What's your take? Well, the chief ICC prosecutor happens to be of West African descent, Fatou Basuda. The International Criminal Court has been criticized for going principally after African leaders, especially Congolese and Sudanese leaders. And this attempt to investigate the United States and Afghanistan came as something of a surprise to many of us, 
What's also striking is that many of the black leaders in the Congressional Black Caucus and NAACP have had little or nothing to say about this, unfortunately. And let me also make a special message to the youth in our audience, because they need to realize that a deal was cut in the 1950s with the black leadership that in return for civil rights concessions, they would stay out of foreign affairs. Some NAACP leaders actually backed the war in Vietnam as a result. But it's clear that that bargain is no longer operative, not least since the 45th U.S. president just the other day has urged his supporters to vote twice, once by mail and secondly in person, and as you know, has saluted the accused slayer of two Black Lives Matter protesters in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, You mentioned the recent uh, slaying in Los Angeles by the authorities of D. John Kesey, the slaying on tape of Daniel Prude in Rochester, naked and hooded, and of course, Dion Kay. Now, what's remarkable is that in Los Angeles, for example, you have a so-called progressive majority in the County Board of Supervisors, yet they've been unable to rein in a gang within the Sheriff's Office called the Executioners, and it's as bad as it sounds, and You might also know about the fact that the Brennan Center at New York University has just issued a report suggesting that white supremacists and white nationalists have infiltrated a significant percentage of the over 18,000 police departments that are operative in this country. Now, what's even more striking is that in Sacramento, in California, even though you have a Democratic governor and a Democratic supermajority in the state legislature, a number of bills to address these outrages committed by the police basically fail. And I'm sure I don't have to tell folks in Washington, D.C. that they should not hold their breath before we see some militant action by Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes Norton, not to mention Mayor Bowser. This is even more remarkable since many of our friends are putting all their eggs in one basket, suggesting that if the Democrats prevail in November, then all will be right with the world, despite the fact that we know that Mr. Biden himself is surrounded by war hawks like Michelle Flournoy and Nicholas Burns. And in any case, we all remember what happened in the last Democratic administration with the Libya 2011 catastrophe. So it's obviously clear that we need a new approach to politics. We need a new approach that does not involve being quiet about U.S. sanctions on the International Criminal Court, but instead enticing and inducing and encouraging our elected leadership to be working with the International Criminal Court to prosecute U.S. leaders for their many crimes, including these police slayings of Jacob Blake and George Floyd and Daniel Prude and Dijon Kizzi and, of course, Dion Kay in southeast Washington. Well, thank you, Gerald, as always, for connecting for us these historical facts to current events, what is happening right now. Mossville, Louisiana and Lake Charles, Louisiana, are both devastated after being hit by Hurricane Laura on August 27th. If the storm wasn't enough, a fire broke out at Biolab, a chlorine-based industry in Mossville, forcing residents to shelter in place as the fire burned for more than 50 hours. 
On the grounds, environmental justice producer Michelle Roberts spoke to Delma and Christine Bennett of Mossville. You know, for us to be evacuated was a blessing at that time. But still, when we got back home a day after the, the fire, it still affected us because we carried headaches. I carried a headache for three days and still dealing with it when we went back home in that area to check on our home. Mossville was founded in the late 1800s by formerly enslaved people and was a target for 16 of the most egregious polluting and hazardous industrial operations. Meanwhile, the Trump administration has rolled back or completely gutted environmental protection legislation that assisted fence line communities such as Mossville, Louisiana, Port Arthur, and Houston, Texas. In culture and media, fans of the progressive news shows Loud and Clear and By Any Means Necessary on Radio Sputnik have been missing the show since Monday, their last day of broadcast. Producers for the shows are expected to make an announcement about the status of the shows. The Coalition Action for Assange is returning to D.C. for a series of protests to free the WikiLeaks founder from prison in the U.K. and fight extradition of Assange to the U.S., where U.S. officials are trying to put him on trial for publishing proof of U.S. war crimes in Iraq and Afghanistan. These actions will begin on Saturday, September 5th at 12 p.m. at the United States Capitol on 1st Street, Southeast D.C., and the events will continue until September 25th. For more information, search Free Julian Assange D.C. Protests in the Rendition on Facebook. And on Saturday, September 5th, Refuse Fascism is launching its 60 Days of Struggle in 24 cities to demand Trump Pence out now. And all the locations and times are listed on their website, refusefascism.org. And among the Labor Day weekend events, the AFL-CIO is hosting the Facebook Live event, Labor Live, Protecting the U.S. Postal Service and Vote by Mail. And that will be on Sunday at 6 p.m. And in D.C. on Monday, September 7th, the Restaurant and Food Service Workers Unite for Justice rally will begin 1 p.m. at Malcolm X Park, also known as Meridian Hill Park in Northwest D.C. And those are headlines and happenings. Stay with us. Mastered economics, cause you took yourself from squalor. Slave. Mastered academics, cause your grace said you were scholar. Slave. Mastered Instagram, cause you can instigate a follow. Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. Get it? Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. Get it? Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. Get it? Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. Get it? Look at all these slave masters. Any time I'm on mine, I be minding mine. Every time on my grind, I'm just trying to shine. Make a dollar, government, they want a dozen dimes. The petty kind might kill you cause they see you shine. I done had to have a talk with myself any time. Am I a hypocrite cause I know I did plenty crime. I get broke too many times, I might slang some pines. You believe corporations running their own and your country in ran by a casino on a Pedophile sponsor all these f- 
shit bounces. And I told you once before that you should kill your master. Now that's the line that's probably gonna get my ass up. Master of these politics, you swear that you got options, sway. Master of opinion, cause you vote with the white collar, sway. The 13th Amendment says that slavery's abolished. Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. Get it? Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. Get it? Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. Hello, everyone. My name is John Henry Williams. I am an organizer with Sunrise and a human that has been up all night, um, was out last night, and I'm generally tired. I want to start with the historical evidence that, an unfortunate fact, that inequality in countries and nations has never been solved through peaceful, nonviolent, quiet conflict. And that's really sad. And it has been my hope in organizing throughout my life that we would come to a point where we can evolve past that. Where we can figure out a way to talk to each other and access each other in a way that doesn't require hurting people. And I'm not talking about hurting buildings because buildings don't feel pain and that's not violence. I am not hopeful today because I can tell you it has been a long journey to this point. I'm a Christian, which to a lot of people used to mean something, but to me it means that I believe in love. And I do not believe in love enough to be convinced that we will be taken seriously and heard through marches, through moments like this, through petitions. Raise your hand if this isn't your first time being on the streets asking somebody to do something for you. Mine too. And so I'm hit with this sinking realization that they're not listening. So I want, I want to invite you to something that I have been wrestling with. And that is the question of whether or not I should be arming myself. As a liberal, as a Democrat, this is not something we like to talk about. And yet, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, a young man, radicalized, was allowed to walk around with a rifle and eventually take the lives of two people and harm one other. And the people who were responsible for protecting were standing around doing nothing. And they watched that happen. So I'm left with the choice of living, trying to live in this path of love or trying to live. Because the reality of the situation is, I'm not your everyday jumpy American. I don't want a gun because I'm scared of someone walking down the street because I don't trust my neighbors. 
I'm not talking about random violence. I'm talking about focused, systemic violence. I'm talking about the people that are in comment sections right now getting ready to go to war. Talking about how they're ready to kill people that are standing in the streets like we are today. And we have known that this growing presence of white supremacy across this country is documented by the FBI having infiltrated our law enforcement. And we know our law enforcement doesn't show up when they do to kill us. So I'm looking at this radicalized hate, the same hate that hangs people, black people from trees, the same hate that robs indigenous people of their lands, the same hate that takes people out into the desert so they can hunt and kill migrants. And my defense is supposed to be love and some banners. Because these people who we keep paying won't do their job. And there is no possibility for peace in an unjust world, which nobody seems to be understanding. I don't know if I'm going to arm myself, but I want to let y'all know how long a path it's been on this road. I started organizing a long time ago, and I'm only 23. But I've been tired for a long time, as young as I am. In in college, I organized a march the day Donald Trump was elected, which happened to be my birthday, a peaceful march. I went to Standing Rock to stand with peaceful, nonviolent water protectors as they tried to guard their land. I was in front of the White House where these people hit me with batons and sprayed me in the face. I was there when Donald Trump did his funky, fun little photo shoot for the Bible. (laughs) I have been in one moment in history after another doing it the right way. And particularly here in D.C., we've been out in the streets for months asking them, and we're doing it the right way. And yet, have they defunded the police? No. And if they had listened to us, would we be here now? No. We could have saved somebody's life. And everyone that sits quiet while somebody died to your inaction, that's on you. You don't get to stand idly by and put it on somebody else. It's on you. Because I remember standing in lines and looking at these officers and I said, you sure all your people are good. You don't know a single racist on the force. Mm -hmm. You don't know anybody. People keep getting arrested. People keep getting killed. People keep getting pulled over. But you don't know anybody. It couldn't be any of yours. And I would be fascinated to know how many of them in these months have turned to their friends 
and comrades and really looked at them. How many of them have had the conversations we are supposed to have? How many of them have talked to their police chief instead of us having to come out time and again? Because the fact of the matter is I don't get paid to do this. They are paid to go to work every day to protect and serve the public. And to the leaders of this city who are listening, you need to know that. And it's not about voting. Because everyone we voted in, by the way, that could take care of this situation right now, happens to be a Democrat. And we don't have to vote for anybody else. They could take care of it tomorrow. With the overwhelming realization that clearly not all skin folk is kin folk. And Mayor Bowser is refusing to take responsibility for her police chief. Because she went out and painted on the damn road for the whole Democratic National Convention that Black Lives Matter. And where are we today? She stood on the National Convention floor talking about black lives and where are we today? Come get your police force. That's right. If you actually care, you come get your police force. That's right. Because the buck stops with you and we don't have to do anything else for you to decide to take leadership and save the lives of the people that are living in your city. <laughs> I want to end with uh, with a realization that as tired as I am, I have not been killed. And even at that, I am giving my life. And I am happy to be alive. Hmm. But I think we count our wins and losses in the amount of lives these people kill not in the amount of lives they steal. Mm -hmm. Because a life gets stolen a long time before someone gets killed. Mm -hmm. When no one has the educational opportunities they need to become the person they can. When people don't have the health care, the jobs, when there is no way out of the hole that you dug them, meanwhile paying for billions and billions of dollars for the police department, you stole that life long before you killed them. And for all of us that are out here and the people that have to spend their lives fighting for justice, you're stealing our lives too. Because we don't deserve to be here. And with that, I want to echo the words of Asada Shakur with this understanding that it is my duty to win so that no one else has to do this. Okay. So I want to invite y'all to repeat after me. It is our duty to fight for our freedom. It is our duty to fight for our freedom. It is our duty to win. It is our duty to win. We must love each other and support each other. We must love each other and support each other. 
right. We have nothing to lose but our chains. We, we have, have nothing to lose but our chains. I want y'all to know, you show up to work, you consider it your duty to do whatever it is you're protecting here. I show up to work and I consider it my duty to get justice. And I will be just as hardened as you are, paid or not. have been listening to John Henry Williams, an organizer with the Sunrise Movement here in the Washington, D.C. area, speaking outside the home of Mayor Muriel Bowser on Thursday, September 3rd, 2020, in the aftermath of the police murder of Dion Kay. This is On the Ground. Stay with us. This is On the Ground, onthegroundshow.org, Voices of Resistance from the nation's capital. I'm Esther Averam. Well, after watching their popular candidate and proposed policies be crushed by the Democratic National Committee during the last two presidential primary seasons, progressives are breaking away from the Democrats to form the Movement for a People's Party. Prominent progressives, including actor Danny Glover, former head of Our Revolution, Senator Nina Turner, and journalist Chris Hedges were among those who participated in the movement's first convention held online on Sunday, August 30th. The convention culminated in a vote by virtual attendees to form a new political party. Here are some of the voices of those who attended, beginning with the comedian Graham Elwood. Hello, everybody. My name is Graham Elwood, and it's an honor to be here uh, at the first ever People's Convention after watching those two train wrecks of the Republican and Democratic Party conventions. Like, wow, it's unbelievable. The Democrats' platform is Trump bad, Trump, Trump, Trump bad. And then the Republicans, man, I thought I was watching Triumph of the Will. And of course, uh, they call Joe Biden a Marxist. Man, I wish Joe Biden was a Marxist. Boy, that would, <laughs> that would actually get me excited if Joe Biden was a Marxist. Neither party offered anything. They don't, neither party wants to defund the police. Neither party wants to address climate change. The Republicans don't even think it exists. The Democrats just, oh, we're going to green up our military. Yes, I'm sure the people in the Middle East are going to be ecstatic knowing that they're getting bombed by rockets powered by biodiesel. 
It's ridiculous to listen to both parties. None of them want Medicare for all. None of them want to get money out of politics. And we're constantly stuck with this lesser of two evils thing. Both, that's all they tell us, the lesser of two evils. Nowhere else in American society would anybody accept this. Politics affects every aspect of our daily lives. You're watching this on the internet, your internet provider, there's a tax, there's legislation. That's politics. It affects everything. Did you buy something today? You paid a sales tax. That's politics. And yet this thing that affects every area of our life, we're only given the lesser of two evils. Nowhere else would Americans accept this. Can you imagine if advertisers were like, the all new Chevy Malibu, just not as crappy as the Ford Taurus. There's no way we would accept that. Honey, it's date night. We need a sitter for the kids. There's only two babysitters to choose from, a pedophile and a meth head. I don't know about you. I'd go meth head because at least the kids would have activities. The guy'd be twitching around. Maybe they'd get a fun face tattoo. (laughs) This is what they offer us, the lesser of two evils. And then the Republican Party is obviously awful. Trump is awful. I don't like them. But the Democrats, pragmatic centrism. Joe Biden has said now's not the time for revolution. That's right. Revolutions always happen when things are going great. Hey, guys, when there's a vaccine and the economy's back to normal and everybody's got a job and the cops are not out of control, we're not bombing seven countries, then we'll start the revolution. That's when it starts, when everything's going great. Like, thank God uh, <laughs> Biden and Pelosi and that crowd weren't alive like and in power during the civil rights movement. They'd be like... Hey, Rosa Parks, this front of the bus thing, ooh, it's causing problems. It's kind of a purity test. Do you think maybe you could just move to the middle of the bus? In fact, start at the back, move up one row at a time, wait a couple years, get bipartisan support, and then move up another row. That's their plan for everything. And when they wanted to get rid of Trump, their solution was impeachment. Not, I don't know, I don't know, here's a crazy idea back a progressive that had the biggest grassroots following of any politician in the history of the country? No, let's go impeachment, which was terrifying because I don't want Trump to be in power, but then that would have put Mike Pence. He's he's even crazier than Trump. What, what would President Pence do, right? Shock the gay out of people and outlaw lunch with women? Like he said, he's afraid to have, he'd be too tempted by having lunch with a woman. What happens, Mike, when you have lunch with a woman? Are you just like, ah, oh, how dare you bring your boobs to lunch? Like, this is insane. And there's no progressive policy from anybody. They don't even want to legalize marijuana, which we've seen. It would benefit so many people in this country. Look at Colorado. Look at how it's done economically. And I'm going to end on this. We need to legalize weed. I'm sober, but this country's on the brink of a civil war. We need to smoke some weed. Imagine if Trump smoked weed. He wouldn't want to build a wall around Mexico. He'd just be down at the border going, we should start a music festival. Hey, Pence, you want to hit that? So thank you so much for allowing me to be on the honor to be on this panel with everybody. Graham Elwood, everybody. Uh, and I, I swear, did the Democratic convention happen? Because I only saw two Republican conventions, two weeks of Republican. Who decided to give the Republicans two conventions this, this year? Next up, we have the national director of Move to Amend, president of the board of directors of Democracy Unlimited and a local democracy fellow, with the Liberty Tree Foundation. My name is Caitlin Saposi-Belknap, and I'm honored and excited to be here today 
in such distinguished company, which includes, of course, the thousands and thousands of you who are tuning in because you've had it with the corporate party duopoly. I also want to give a shout out to my fellow Greens who are here. I've been a Green since I turned 18, so I want to acknowledge my sisters and brothers who have known for a long time that this is rigged. I'm here today in my capacity as National Director of Move to Amend. Move to Amend is a grassroots movement to pass the We the People Amendment to the Constitution to make clear that only human beings have constitutional rights and to make clear that the ability to exercise our First Amendment free speech rights and have influence over elections should have nothing to do with how much money you have. Last year, Movement for a People's Party endorsed Move to Amend, and I hope that you'll do the same at movetoamend.org. And the Movement for a People's Party adopted the principles of our amendment in the initial party platform, which is certainly more than can be said for the Republican Party, who embraced Citizens United with glee, and the Democratic Party, who pay lip service to ending corporate rule, but whose leadership serves at the behest of their Wall Street funders. Ending corporate rule is foundational to making real the promise of democracy, a promise that has never fully been fulfilled in the United States and whose blessings are less attainable with every minute that Republicans or the Democratic Party hold power. Our Constitution has been hijacked by corporations. Whenever a local community or state is able to organize its people to fight back and to pass a law or measure to try to rein in corporate power, whether over our food, our health, our safety, our wages, our environment, or our elections, giant corporations hold the ultimate trump card in that they can sue our government, in effect sue we the people, and get the courts to strip away our efforts at self-governments over our economic institutions. What does this look like? This looks like Monsanto suing the state of California because they don't want to have to label that Roundup causes cancer. So they claim that my state's labeling laws violate their constitutional rights and winning because the courts uphold their rights over those of we the people. Or it looks like coal companies suing states and using the argument that environmental regulations are a takings of property under the Fifth Amendment so that our communities, already strapped for cash, are forced to pay for the profits coal companies would have made if we want to keep protecting our public and our environmental health. Or it looks like states trying to protect their local businesses who are up against the Walmarts of the world, but instead the Supreme Court has stripped communities of the freedom to decide which businesses to foster by using the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause on behalf of multinational corporations. The 14th Amendment was intended to ensure equal protection for African Americans after slavery. All of these examples are real cases that are happening right now or that have already happened as part of the court-created doctrine of corporate personhood which is why we must pass the We the People Amendment to put a stop to this. Until we make clear that only human beings have constitutional rights, companies will continue to win against us in court because our legal system prioritizes corporate rights over human rights. And democracy is impossible under these conditions, just like it's impossible when a tiny fraction of the people hold 99% of the wealth and political power, and the rest of us are left to squabble over crumbs. But now in 2020, we're coming together to say enough. No more squabbling. Working people have had it. If we want to control our destiny, if we want to live in a world that isn't racked by racism or colonization or misogyny or climate disasters, we have to stand up and stop accepting our future being determined by a greedy minority whose only agenda is gobbling up everything for themselves. 
Vote however your conscience tells you to in November. But the time is now to build a major new party for working people in America, free from corporate and billionaire influence that takes all that we have learned in the fight for an independent for independent political parties over the last 25 years and applies it to our current challenges and our current opportunities. We're on the precipice as a country and as a species. The America that we have known is a failure and nearly everything needs to change. And we know this in our hearts. We have so much work before us, but we can do it because we have to. Let's embrace new visions that draw on old wisdom and bury the structures of oppression and exploitation that entrench the Democratic and Republican parties and the forces that own them. Caitlin, it's an honor. Thank you for your comments. That is the fire that we need to start a major new party. Our next speaker is someone who likewise brings that fire and adds to it a real tradition of American intellectualism, which unfortunately is not the norm. We have the Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, former foreign correspondent for the New York Times, Middle East Bureau Chief and Balkan Bureau Chief with the New York Times, author of several best-selling books, writes for many national publications, host of the Emmy award-winning RT America show on contact, Chris Hedges. Thanks, Nick, and thanks for letting me speak with such impressive people, some of whom I know and uh, most of whom I know about. Um, There is only one choice in this election, and that is the consolidation of oligarchic power under Donald Trump or the consolidation of oligarchic power under Joe Biden. The oligarchs with Trump or Biden will win again, and we will lose. The oligarchs made it abundantly clear Should Bernie Sanders have miraculously become the Democratic Party nominee, they would join forces with the Republicans to crush him. The oligarchs preach the mantra of the least worst to us when they attempt to ram a Hillary Clinton or a Joe Biden down our throats, but ignore it for themselves. They prefer Biden over Trump, but they can live with either. Only one thing matters to the oligarchs. It is not democracy. It is not truth. It is not the consent of the governed. It is not income inequality. It is not the surveillance state. It is not endless war. It is not jobs. It is not the climate breakdown. It is the primacy of corporate power, which has extinguished our democracy and left most of the working class and the working poor in misery, as well as the continued increase and consolidation of their wealth. It is impossible to work within the system to shatter the hegemony of oligarchic power or institute meaningful reform. Change, real change, will only come by sustained acts of mass civil disobedience and mobilization, as with the Yellow Vest movement in France and the British-based Extinction Rebellion. The longer we are fooled by the electoral burlesque, the more disempowered we will become. Dr. Cornell West and I were on the streets with protesters in Philadelphia outside the appropriately named Wells Fargo Center during the 2016 Democratic Convention, when hundreds of courageous Sanders delegates walked out of the hall. Show me what democracy looks like, they chanted, holding Bernie signs above their heads as they poured out of the exits. This is what democracy looks like. Sanders' greatest tactical mistake was not joining them. 
he bowed in fear before the mighty altar of the corporate state. He had desperately tried to stave off a revolt by his supporters and delegates on the eve of the convention by sending out repeated messages in his name, most of them authored by members of the Clinton campaign, to be respectful, not disrupt the nominating process and support Clinton. Sanders was a dutiful sheepdog then and is a dutiful sheepdog now, attempting to herd his disgruntled supporters into the embrace of the Clinton and now Biden campaign. Sanders apparently believed that if he was obsequious enough to the Democratic Party elite, they would give him a chance in 2020, a chance they denied him in 2016. Politics, I suspect he would argue, is about compromise and the practical. And this is true. But playing politics in a system that is not democratic is about being complicit in the charade. Sanders misread the Democratic Party leadership, swamp creatures of the corporate state. He misread the Democratic Party itself, which is a corporate mirage. Its base can, at best, select pre-approved candidates and act as props at rallies and in choreographed party conventions. The Democratic Party voters have zero influence on party politics or party policies. Sanders' naivete and perhaps his lack of political courage drove away many of his most committed young supporters. They are right. He is wrong. We need to overthrow the system, not placate it. Trump and Biden are each repugnant figures, doddering into old age with cognitive lapses and no moral core. Is Trump more dangerous than Biden? Yes. Is Trump more inept and more dishonest? Yes. Is Trump more of a threat to the open society? Yes. But is Biden the solution? No. Biden represents the nostalgia of the ruling elite for the old neoliberal order. He personifies the betrayal by the Democratic Party of working men and women that spark the deep hatred of the ruling elites across the political spectrum. He is a gift to demagogues and con artists like Trump. A Biden presidency will ensure that far more competent demagogues will rise to take power. Biden cannot plausibly offer change. He can only offer more of the same. And most Americans do not want more of the same. The country's largest voting bloc, the 100 million plus citizens who out of apathy or disgust do not vote, will once again stay home. This demoralization of the electorate is by design. In America, you are only allowed to vote against what you hate. But by voting for Biden, you do vote for something. You vote for the humiliation of courageous women, such as Anita Hill, who confronted their abusers. You vote for the architects of the endless wars in the Middle East. You vote for the apartheid state in Israel. You vote for wholesale surveillance of the public by government intelligence agencies and the abolition of due process and habeas corpus. You vote for austerity programs, including the destruction of welfare and cuts to social security. You vote for NAFTA, free trade deals, deindustrialization, a decline in wages, the loss of hundreds of thousands of manufacturing jobs, and the offshoring of jobs to underpaid workers who toil in sweatshops in Mexico, China, or Vietnam. You vote for the assault on public education and the transfer of federal funds to for-profit and Christian charter schools. You vote for the doubling of our prison population, the tripling and quadrupling of sentences, and huge expansion of crimes meriting the death penalty. 
You vote for militarized police who gun down poor people of color with impunity. You vote against the Green New Deal and immigration reform. You vote for limiting a woman's right to abortion and reproductive rights. You vote for a segregated public school system in which the wealthy receive educational opportunities and poor people are denied a chance. You vote for punitive levels of student debt and the inability to free yourself of debt obligations through bankruptcy. You vote for deregulating the banking industry and the abolition of Glass-Steagall. You vote for the for-profit insurance and pharmaceutical corporations and against universal health care. You vote for bloated defense budgets. You vote for the use of unlimited oligarchic and corporate money to buy our elections. You vote for a politician who during his time in the Senate abjectly served the interests of MBNA, the largest independent credit card company headquartered in Delaware, which also employed Biden's son, Hunter. What the public wants and deserves will again be ignored for what the corporate lobbyists demand if we do not respond to the social and economic catastrophe that has been visited on most of the population exacerbated by our failure to control the pandemic. We will be unable to thwart the rise of corporate tyranny and a Christian fascism or halt the ecocide that will wipe out the human species along with most other life forms. Right-wing violence, along with lethal police violence, will explode with or without Trump in office. If we do not build robust socialist programs to reintegrate those who've been pushed aside back into society, to heal the ruptured social bonds, to give workers jobs that provide a sustainable income and dignity, empowerment and protection, to provide free and well-funded schooling through college. If we do not rebuild our labor unions along with instituting universal health care and an end to the squandering of our resources on endless war. Yes, we need new radical parties, which is why I'm here today. And in this election and from now on, we need to stand up for our values, not surrender them, which is why I urge you in this election to vote for the Green Party. I am not willing to surrender every issue I care about to become an accomplice in this moral squalor and death march to extinction. But I'm also not naive enough to tell you we can win. The corporate state has built very effective mechanisms of control and oppression. But these corporate forces have us by the throat and they have my children by the throat. In the end, I do not fight fascists because I will win. I fight fascists because they are fascists. Thank you. Neither of the major parties in the United States represent the people. Both represent the interests of the wealthy. I've been voting for this two-party system forever. For what? Why do we have them? Right now what we have is essentially a two-party duopoly that gives us one more choice than a dictatorship. Salute to you, Brother Nick to the sisters who helped you put this on, to Brother Ryan. And I got a news flash for folks. Not one speaker was told what to say and what not to say. Hello, somebody. See, that's why you got a variety here tonight of people who have different views on how to move this nation forward. But what we do agree on, even if folks don't necessarily agree on what should happen in 2020, what we do agree on is that we are in a fight for our lives and for 
future generations and that we stand up for what is just, for what is right, and for what is good. See, what nobody scripted here tonight. Nobody got a memo. Nobody was whispered in the ear. Nobody was told what to say, what to do, or what to think. So we are a representation of what America is. You know what? I just threw out my whole speech because every single speaker, baby, when you're giving the benediction, you just got to go on and give the benediction. That's what this time is, just go on and give the benediction. You know what came to mind for me, sisters and brothers, and I wasn't going to read this poem, but as I was listening to folks, two people came to mind. One was Marvin Gaye, What's Going On? And then the other one was a poem that Langston Hughes wrote, and I believe he wrote it in 1938, and he was talking about the pain of Jim Crow and what was happening in this nation, and it's titled Kids Who Die. And I just want you... Just just wrap your mind around this just for a moment. Can we just take a moment? Because it is as if Brother Langston Hughes is talking about this very moment. Kids who die. This is for the kids who die. Black and white for kids will die, certainly. The old and the rich will live on a while, as always, eating blood and gold, letting kids die. Kids will die in the swamps of Mississippi, organizing sharecroppers. Kids will die in the streets of Chicago, organizing workers. Kids will die in the orange groves of California, telling others to get together. Whites and Filipinos, Negroes and Mexicans, all kinds of kids will die. Who don't believe in lies and bribes and contentment and a lousy peace? Hello, somebody. That is what the movement for People's Party is all about. We don't believe in the lies and the bribes and the contentment and a lousy peace. How can we have peace in moments like this when over 90 million of our sisters and brothers are either uninsured or underinsured? How can we have a peace? When you got a Congress that goes on recess while millions of people are facing eviction from their homes, how can we have peace when on the streets of America right now, black lives have been lifted and reaching out, calling out the racism and the white supremacy and the bigotry of a system that was created for black lives to language? How can we have peace? You got 12 folks who are on the precipice of controlling $1 trillion while meanwhile back on the ranch. We got sisters and brothers suffering all over this country. How can we have peace when people are drowning in debt for the crime of going to college? Hello, somebody. How can we have peace? We have a criminal justice system that is unjust in every stretch of the imagination. How can we have peace when black men are shot in the back or a knee on the neck or I can't smoke a cigarette in my car, Sandra Bland, hello somebody, or Breonna Taylor shot in her own home. How can we have peace? When children go to bed hungry at night, how can we have peace? 
when our veterans are homeless or can't get the health care that they deserve. And speaking of health care, baby, how can we have peace when even in the moment of a global pandemic, we can't even get the neoliberals of the Democratic Party to reverse course in a platform that is non-binding. Hello, somebody. How can we have peace? Oh, no, we're not falling for a lousy peace. As Brother Langston Hughes laid out, it is time for the people of this great nation from all walks of life, from all sexual orientations, from all religions, in the sisterhood and brotherhood of love and uplift. It is time for us to come together. And Sister Mary Ann, she laid out the history, baby. I was thinking about the revolutions that have overtaken this nation in the 18th century. It was the American Revolution. The founders and all of their racism and frailty decided to say to King George, it's over. We can't continue this relationship like this. When in the course of human history, it becomes time to separate. And then they laid out why it was time to separate. Hello, somebody. In the 19th century, we had another type of revolution. It was called, hello, hello, somebody, the Civil War. In the 20th century, we had another type of revolution, and it was called civil rights movements. And in the 21st century, here we are, right here, right now, in our moment, lifting up a people's revolution that is both necessary, not only for the survival of, of us, but for the survival of future generations. How can we have peace? When we trample all over Mother Earth, how can we have peace? When we have predatory capitalism, how can we have peace? When so many people have worked so hard and still cannot get even a piece of the American dream, how can we have peace when the poor and the working poor and the barely middle class doing all that they can to survive day after day after day after day after day and they still cannot survive? How can we have peace? See, it's a fallacy that if you work hard enough, Americans work very hard. Poor people work very hard. It is a fallacy. And so the very system, the racist, bigoted system, the system that oppresses the poor, that system was created by design. It didn't happen by accident. It was on purpose. And on purpose, we the people can turn this thing around. So we got some dragons to slay, baby. We got to slay the dragons of neo-fascism. As Dr. West said, the gangster in the White House, he must go. There is no doubt about it. He must go. And I agree with Dr. West that people are coming at this at all angles. I get it. See, I'm not a boat shamer. I'll leave that for the professionals. Hello, somebody. I'm just old fashioned. And I just believe that folks who are running for office ought to earn the vote. And how do you earn the vote? You don't earn it by doing the same old, same old. You earn that vote by giving people a vision. See, you got to have a vision that provides provision for the people. It is our money. It is our government. And when so you got folks sitting up there talking about what we cannot have with our money, 
what we cannot have with our government is a lack of vision. So it is time out for playing games. There is no more time for playing games. But we're not going for a lousy peace. So we come together in the spirit of sisterhood and brotherhood. We stand together as people from all walks of life who understand that we must put a little extra on our ordinary so that extraordinary things can happen. They will, they have throughout the course of history. We stand in solidarity with other poor people all around the world. Hello, somebody, because the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. got it right when he said what happens to one directly happens to us all indirectly. We won't stand for a lousy peace even as we fight the neo-fascists, we will not stand for a lousy peace because we know that neoliberalism is what got us here. And so on purpose, we're going to put a little extra on our ordinary so that those extraordinary things can happen and we are going to lift and we are going to rise together. And listen, brothers and sisters, we're going to win some and we're going to lose some. But people going to know this, that we are in this fight for life for liberty and everybody's pursuit of happiness. We will not fall for a lousy peace. So sisters and brothers, this is the moment. This is the People's Convention. See, you ain't, ain't, ain't no convention like this. This is the People's Convention. We need you to join forces, whether you believe and stand within that Democratic Party and fighting it. You know, it was a song, it's my party and I can cry if I want to. Go ahead, do that. Do that on the inside. And then there are people who have decided to hell with it. We working on the outside. When those forces unite, baby, Dr. West ain't no stopping us now. We are on the move. We will not contort for a lousy peace. We're going to get through 2020. We're going to get that neo-fascist out of the White House. And baby, we're going to get to work on the People's Party. Can a sister get an amen with these hands, baby? This people's movement. You have been listening to Senator Nina Turner, former head of the Bernie 2020 campaign and former head of our revolution. Before Turner, a montage of U.S. residents from around the country, journalist Chris Hedges, head of Move to Amend, Caitlin Sapasi Belknap, and comedian Graham Elwood. Of course, these are just some of the speakers who participated in the virtual founding convention for the Movement for a People's Party. And they are online at peoplesparty.org. And that will do it for today's episode of On the Ground, onthegroundshow.org, Voices of Resistance from the Nation's Capital. You can listen to all of our current and past shows on the website we maintain, onthegroundshow.org. And you can reach out to us and support us there as well. You can also let us know you like the show by connecting with us on Facebook, Twitter, or on patreon.com at On The Ground Show. Our new podcast, On The Ground with Esther Averam, and that's On The Ground, W, Esther Averam, is on all your podcast platforms. Our new podcast, our social media pages and website all have a protest sign with green lettering that says On The Ground. 
The music we played this hour included Just by Run the Jewels, and our theme music is Voodoo Child by Jimi Hendrix. I'm Esther Averam. Until next time, take good care and keep raising your voice. Peace.